hey guys, welcome to the Conversations with Interesting People podcast, uh, the show where we sit down with people and talk from with them, you know, from all walks of life and uh, all different journeys to hopefully inspire you along your own journey. I'm your host, Braden Collum, and I'm unbelievably excited today for our very first guest, the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Mayor Anthony Williams. How are you? I'm doing well, and thanks for the invite, and I've been looking forward to this conversation. So, Well, thank you for saying yes. I was blown away when I heard that you were like up for it. I was like, wait, are you serious? He said yes to this? Let's go. This is awesome. Uh, but thank you for doing this. And uh, really just want to have a casual conversation about your life and kind of your journey. And I really want to start there. Talk me through your journey to where you are today. I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of different things. I think people don't understand you do more than just uh, be the mayor of Abilene, Texas. But walk me through your journey. How did you get to this spot? How, how did you get here? Just I want to hear your story. So I'm from Abilene, born okay. and raised here in this community. Um, and I love Abilene. And I'll talk about in regards to my journey why I love Abilene so much. But when I was four years old, my father was murdered wow. in our community um, in a very um, tragic way. Um, a church in Abilene, the Highland Church of Christ, okay. um, an elder named Grady Jolly, his wife, Nell, you know, heard about my father's brutal murder. Um, and they knocked my mom's door and they asked, could they help? And um, that act of love and compassion and love um, really has motivated me to this very day, and that's why I do what I do. So I knocked my mom's door, and for 10 years, a decade, Nell, um, Grady's wife, mentored my mother. Wow. Um, actually um, taught her the gospel, um, and so it just made a profound impact. Highland, the church, had a, a bus ministry. Uh, where they would pick up kiddos in the neighborhood and uh, called the Joy Bus, and Come they would on, give us awesome. orange juice and donuts and for a little fat kid. That was all I needed <laughs> to hear. Uh, and so got you through the um, door. It did. It did. And so I, I, I attended that congregation from um, until I was 18 years old, and just been a blessing to me. And all along the way, I had men and women in that congregation that just reached out to me. And when I look back on it. You know, all those sacrifices they made um, to a little boy yeah. who didn't have a dad. And um, so I really, um, this is my almost 20 years in Albany City Council, but it really started with the act of love and compassion shown to my family years ago. Yeah. So how did, how did that act of love and compassion translate into you wanting to get into public service? Well, you know, you know whenever you deal with that sort of pain, Yeah. Um, you know, at least for me, dealing with that sort of pain, I never wanted anyone to experience that sort of pain. And when I saw families, individuals uh, that were experiencing um, circumstances in life that were challenging, I wanted to do something. So I was a junior in college, so in my early 20s, when Abilene, for the first time, had an issue with gang violence. You actually had West Coast gangs come to Abilene wow. and use Abilene as a connector from El Paso to Dallas, our first drive-by shootings and et cetera. So at the time, Baltimore, Maryland had a program called Midnight Basketball, where they would use basketball as kind of a, a venue where they would encourage young men at risk to be part of and in doing so, have workshops and guest speakers and et cetera. So Gary McCaleb, mayor at the time, 
and one of his assistants, Ernest Merritt, uh, went to Austin, Texas, where Baltimore made their presentation about midnight basketball. And because of things occurring in our community, they thought maybe something Abilene should do. Yeah. So I was asked by uh, Mary McCaleb at the time to head that program. And so I was Abilene's very first director of late night basketball, we called it, at age 21. And so we took men, young men, from 15 to 18 years old that were at risk. Uh, we chose the Sears Rec Center. Um, that's off Ambler in a mostly Latino uh, neighborhood, where at the time we had great concern. And so along with 20 of the volunteers, we spent that first summer from 8 or 9 p.m. in the evening to 1 o'clock at night or in the morning wow. on Tuesday and Thursdays mentoring these young men and with with amazing results, by the way. And yeah. In fact, um, some of the early participants, a guy named Terrence Crisp, um, Terrence, actually, the assistant basketball coach at Abilene High, who is working on a doctorate degree now. Wow. Um, and then the head coach at um, at Cooper um, was a, a, a late-night basketball participant, and others, too. just made a big difference. And when I saw that, when I saw that volunteering at a local level can make a difference, it really motivated me. So I got involved with boards and committees um, throughout the community, um, Big Red Big Sisters, yeah. um, the Boys and Girls Club, the Red Cross, a number of different entities I got involved in. And in 2001, I was 32 years old. There was an opening on city council, had any sort of political experience sure. at all. Uh, but I was encouraged to run, and uh, we won by... 254 votes, actually. That's so it awesome. was a squeaker. Yeah. But I've served in Abilene community as like an official since then. But it began with late this was, night What year was this when you got elected? 2001. Okay. It was a special election that happened in November, actually. Uh, and so, um, as you know, I was just elected for a, a delayed election because of COVID. Um, and so you look back, you know, that was 19 years ago. Um, you know, this month when I was first elected yeah. to serve. That's amazing. So. Now, at that point in time, um, were there many African-Americans serving in the Abilene community? Because I have grew up in Abilene. I've kind of seen there hasn't been a ton of diversity in the leadership arena, just kind of all over the city. You're kind of paving the way 20 years ago. Was there much pushback being an African-American in this community trying to build leadership positions? Or did you feel like, man, open arms, come on? What was your experience? Well, you know, of course, we live in a community that you look at our county and it's 5% African-American. Yeah. And you look at the city of Abilene, which 84% of the county is the city of Abilene. It's about 7%. But that includes French Robertson and Milton units, our prison okay, units. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, uh, it, w it was some challenges early on. But in our community, um, for the most part, we're able to see past color and ethnicity and culture. And it's there. I'm not saying that Abilene doesn't face the same issues that are elsewhere in the country and really in the world. Um, but um, that was never a significant obstacle for me. Yeah. Um, but I'm appreciative. You mentioned about the diversity. So in 1978, Dr. Leo Scott was the very first um, non-Anglo um, person to be elected um, in this whole county when he was elected as a city councilman uh, in that year. That's Soon afterwards, Carlos, Carlos Rodriguez uh, was elected to the Abilene um, 
at the time city council, because Carlos was actually a trustee and a councilman in our community. Elmer Wright was elected in 1986 uh, on the school board, first African-American school board. Val Brelsford in 1990 as second African-American school board. Then you had Liz Herrera, Carol Martinez, um, who were elected to the Abilene City Council as some additional um, Latinos. Um, and then you had Versi Brown, who's elected in 1996, um, and Kelvin Kelly yeah. and later. So it's been a handful. Um, and I do think, hopefully, that the things that I've, I'm doing, others have done, uh, will make it even easier for others to run based on who they are instead of what they are. Yeah, that's amazing. So you would say that in your own experience, you haven't really felt a ton of pushback just because of the color of your skin in this community. I will say that. Now, I will say that I've had challenges. Okay, and yeah. certainly um, um, I've received emails and letters of derogatory names assigned to me and others. And yeah. people say certain things, but that has been the exception and not the rule. Sure, yeah. And I think it's also interesting. I don't know if you knew this or not, but a few weeks ago, you were actually referenced on Fox News. I don't know if anyone told you or heard. Or, uh, did you know that? Yes. yes you did know? Yes. I was listening to the radio. And just so you know, I don't only listen to Fox News. I know there's a lot of opinions. Oh, Braden Fox News. I listen to CNN. I listen to kind of different sources. But you were referenced because it was just, you know, this conversation of race is heightened in our country right now. And there's this interesting situation in Taylor County where we were heavily read. I mean, I have the numbers here. I mean, 72% of Taylor County voted for Trump, but 81% of the county also voted for a black mayor. And and, and and in 2016, 86% of Taylor County residents voted for um, President Trump. Um, and six months later, I was elected as the first African-American yeah. mayor. And so, and, and really, so I, I've heard that stat. And by the way, I embrace my ethnicity. Yeah. I am. I love being a Texan, and I love being African-American. Um, but I hope when, when history records my tenure at Abilene, I'm not the black mayor, sure. but I was a good mayor. And by the way, he was African-American. Yeah, happened to be black, yeah. Uh, and so I've always tried to lead with that. I don't deny. In fact, I embrace my heritage. But like everybody else, you know, I want to have an appraisal, an evaluation with my performance that goes beyond the pigmentation of my skin. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think what's interesting also with those kind of results with Trump heavily winning Taylor County, but also you heavily winning, have you found that it's been difficult? Because the narrative is Trump supporters are racist, the Trump supporters. And, and I'm not, I don't want to get too political with it, but really that is kind of the narrative of people who support Trump, conservative white people. However, have you found this weird tension of they also heavily elected me and I'm, yeah. uh, I'm a black well, man? Know, and so like our country... Um, our state and this city, uh, this, the world is facing this tension yeah. with race and culture. Um, and the country has made tremendous strides over the last 50 years, but we have a long way to go. Yeah, I mean, like you, um, when I look and see what occurred in Portland and Seattle yeah. and Minnesota and elsewhere, I mean, it saddens me. It bothers me, and I think anyone that loves this country, it should should trouble you also. Um, but I would make this argument that we have a lot more in common 
than separates us. And when yeah. we can focus on those things that bind us together, it allows us to be better. What I've always tried to do as a leader in this community yeah. is never deny the reality of racism and division, but focus on those commonalities. Yeah. Focus, what can you and I do that allows Abilene to be better? Yeah. So I'm not trying to be partisan. So um, staunch conservatives, um, liberals, libertarians, I invite anybody inside the tent yeah. that wants to elevate our community. And I think we have that posture it allows different people to be around the table of discussion. And when you have diversity of thought and opinion around the table of conversations, that input allows you to produce a better product. Yeah, I've always led with that. If you look back at, at all of my um, campaigns, I've been consistent from the very beginning because that's how I really feel. Yeah. Um, and so again, I, I love culture. I love diversity. I love, I love learning new things about different groups and cultures. But at the end of the day, I want to focus on the common good of the community. Yeah. What are some of those things that you think are distracting from? Because you talk about like getting past just the labels. But it seems like we're so concerned with the labels. How do we get past these distracting well, things and really doing some progressive things? Yeah, and, and I, I think the reason why people get fixated on those labels, um, because for some it's a it's a it's more comfortable. Yeah. To associate with things that you're familiar with and you know, it's easier to have a conversation about subject matters that that you are familiar with. It's challenging to think otherwise. It's challenging to even think about things you disagree with. Yeah. But I think the growth of, of the person and the of the community is your ability to have those hard conversations and challenge your beliefs. Uh, and so, I mean, I, um, this country and the beauty of it uh, was founded on discourse. Yeah. You know, of, of people from uh, opposing vantage points having a conversation. At the end of the day, that sort of culture an environment of embracing the differences allows each one of us to elevate who and what we are. And at the same time, our communities and cities and regions and country and the world is better when you have conversations that are not limited to subject matter that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We as people are just way more interested in not stretching ourselves, pushing ourselves into conversations or even actions that aren't familiar with within our own histories and stuff like that. So I think that's really important. Yes. And you know, and th this thing, I think, you know, some people are more concerned with being right yep. than creating the right relationships. Exactly. You know, why does it have to be a winner and a loser? Yeah. Why, why can't we both win? Yeah. Why do we want to create division when you don't have to have division? Yeah. I am all for making confrontations when, they, when someone needs to be confronted. But I don't think we should have a posture of trying to pick a fight. Sure. And so the words you say, the action that you make, all lend to that conversation. And so I try to be very, very mindful of the words I say and the things I do to be an example. Yeah. Always willing to stand up and say, that is unacceptable. But before I come to that conclusion, 
be sure that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, I, there's something you touched on a little bit ago that I kind of, I was really interested to talk to you about coming into this. Okay. And you were talking about how in your, when you're running for office and those type of things, you would receive some really critical things, some really critical words. Yeah. And I remember even in this latest election cycle, when you were running again for re-election as mayor, there were some really unbelievably hateful things said to you. And what I'm interested in is because I think in politics, no matter what you do, people are going to hate on you. People are going to criticize you, crucify you. But for you on a personal level, because I think what people forget is just because you're on TV, just because you're in the newspaper, doesn't mean that you're not a human with actual emotions and feelings and, and wounds and hurts and stuff like that. So how do you, because for example, like, I won't name who said this, but like on Facebook and Twitter and all these people, people are calling you trash and people are calling you part of the establishment on a human level. How do you deal with that kind of, and I'm sure they're calling you worse in your inbox as well. well. Yeah. You know, in fact, you know, this past election was the, my very first election where performance, uh, opinion, philosophy, um, was not at the core of the election conversation. But rather innuendos and, yeah. and really lies, yeah, and really personal attacks on me as just a a person, you know, led the way. I never once had any sort of conversation about such matter. I think is important, but what occurred in our community has what is occurring nationwide. Yeah, where we're less about those pertinent business type subject matter, and more to these personal hate-filled attacks. Yeah, I mean, uh, and for me, you know, um, I've been doing this a long time, and I, I made a termination a long time ago that's like the official. I was not going to run a popularity contest. Sure, yeah. But I was going to do what is right or what I thought was right. Yeah. And having said that, when I look back at the last 19 years, I may have voted differently uh, on certain subject matter if I knew what I know now. But at the time, you can only make an opinion on their current data. And so I can separate that. Yeah. Now, my wife yeah. and my children, I mean, it hurts them to see the things that are said sometimes about their loved one. Yeah. And that's a challenge for me. Now, did you always feel like you could take criticism, wear it on your back, and just let it roll right off? Or did you have to grow into like having thick skin? So I was elected when I was 33 years old. I filed when I was 32. A month later, I was elected. I was 33. And uh, when people say those bad things about you, you uh, it was a challenge then. And not to say it doesn't bother me now, but a lot less so now than 19 years ago. And so I guess this, this is a principle that I've learned, is that I don't allow others to define who and what I am. Come on, yeah. Um, I allow my own convictions, uh, my own personal beliefs to evaluate Anthony Williams. Yeah. And when I do so, that's those things that have maybe said about me, of me, have less impact. Uh, and I think just moving forward as, 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 a, as a nation, we should not allow um, hateful rhetoric to lead the way. Yeah. We ought to reject that and pivot to those things that are core of who we are and what we want to become. Yeah. So how do you how did how did you learn to kind of be able to navigate though? Because I'm really interested in this particular subject because our culture is so cynical these days. Yeah. So how did you learn? Because there are people out there who are like, man, 
I've either felt the brunt of cynicism or I haven't really survived the brunt of cynicism. How have you learned, especially in today's culture as a black man, how have you learned, but beyond just the, the color of your skin, how have you learned in the public eye to honestly maybe not even care anymore about well, the negativity? And I'll say this, you know, my mother, and we use the word hero far too often in our society today, so much so it's kind of like a cliche, Sure, but we're a poor family. I mean, we lived in the poorest part of this community. I mean, to this day, the neighborhood I grew up in, the um, average wage is about $19,000 a year. It's a poor, poor community. Yeah. A single mom and two sisters, and we struggled. But my mother always carried herself with dignity and respect and didn't allow the current circumstances to define who and what she is. And so... I, I, I cannot articulate that then, but I have learned to look past today and focus on tomorrow. Yeah, that even in the midst of um, as a as a child, the poverty that I experienced. Yeah, I had a belief at an early age that was not going to be the final outcome. That was not going to define me. Yeah. That I could do things along the way that will allow me to have a different and better life. And so when someone says or does something in that moment, I don't react in that moment. Rather, I look towards other opportunities. The things that were said of me in this last election, um, I never responded to that. Yeah. Was that hard for you? It was very hard. Yeah. Because I could have said some things. Mm -hmm. That would, been, um, that would have compromised my opponent. In fact, I could have said some things, very factual things, that others would have said that could create all kinds of different circumstances for my opponent. But at the end of the day, I didn't think that was good for our community. Sure. I think it was good for what we want to represent. I just believe yeah. that as a candidate, I don't have to be negative to be successful. Yeah. That I don't have to react to um, um, hatred um, in a way that that puts me on that level. And as a community, why can't we do that? Yeah. Why can't we refuse to accept that behavior? We don't have to allow others to dictate how we react. I, I love being proactive because what being proactive is is that. No matter what, because we can't control what happens. We can't control circumstances, how a person may or may not act, but what we can control is on the response. And so I chose in that moment and in my life not to respond in kind to those things, but rather rely on my my value system yeah. and my core beliefs to lead the way. Yeah. And hopefully... That's an example for others in our community. Yeah, I think that's incredibly commendable because really the conversation in politics these days is we would all say those things, but then you have smear campaigns on both sides of like, hey, well, you were crappy to me, so I'm going to match the crap with even more crap. But and, and there really is this deep, and you see it even more today in people, is this deep desire for unity, unity but even a deep desire for decency as well. Nice. For people like you, so I really commend that, that yeah. you didn't want to just go on, oh, well, you said this about me. Well, here's some factual things that you don't want people to know about you, rather than you took the high road to say, man, I'm going to keep my vision and my focus on the future and what I'm convicted of and like where I want to see the city go, and I'm not going to 
spend time smearing and because that's not going to get us anywhere. You know, and I look, I just believe that good conquers evil. Come on. I, I just believe that if you live your life and you do the right things, in the end, that prevails. Yeah. I just believe that. It may not be in a certain battle, but in the war, yeah. in the end of the day, I believe it prevails. Love that. And I've always lived that um, because I was shown that. Yeah. You know, my mother has an incredible story. Um, and although she may not have received some of the success as we defined it uh, of her children in, in the world's definition of success, she's probably one of the most successful people I've ever seen in my life. And there's others like that. There's others whose shoulders we stand upon. These giants who've been such great examples. And as an American, you know, um, I want to celebrate that. I want to celebrate that example. Yeah. I want to celebrate how they lived. You know, um, you look at a Nelson Mandela, who I think was the most influential uh, human being of this past century. I mean, I, I think he was, and here in our country, um, Dr. King. I mean, just incredible individuals that look past their current condition. Yeah. And focused on the betterment of mankind. You know, you and I are going to have physical death. Um, I may be closer than you. <laughs> you know, and in a hundred years, people may not remember me or remember you. But you know what? There are some things we can do today. Yeah. In this moment that mankind, a century from now, would benefit from. That motivates me. Yeah. I have the power, I have the opportunity to do some things that will better mankind. Yeah. I love and, that. I think one of the one of my favorite things I've ever heard was that criticism will sell the newspapers, but it's love that builds the future. And so I, I really love that that's where your head is at. I think it's really refreshing that there's a leader in our community who isn't just buying into the political game. I don't want to just say little things, smear people, criticize people, because it's going to sell the news. It'll sell the newspaper. I'm not worried about that. I may not be the most popular person in the room, but I've got my eyes set on caring for people and loving people really well. And that's what's going to change the community. That's what's going to change the city. And I really think that's amazing that, that's, that we have a mayor, honestly, a leader in this community who is so convicted in that to say, you know what, I get what the, the current discourse is, but I don't care because love is going to build our future. Caring for people is going to build our future. And that's my your deep conviction. And it's it's so obvious in the way that you're leading our city and the things that we've already seen, some amazing things in the city. I think it's awesome that we can sit back and realize, man, it's because of your love and your care for people, not just because of what the haters are saying. You're part of the establishment. Like, what the crap is establishment? What does that even mean? <laughs> but I'm really grateful to have someone like you really leading and setting the pace. Well, I appreciate um, that. I, and I think, you know, I have benefited from just tremendous group of folk in our community who have those same convictions, who yeah. spent their lives demonstrating that and been a great example to myself and others. And my hope is I can live a life that mimics that. And so in 15 or 10 or 20 years, someone will look at my example and be motivated, not necessarily to be like me, but like me trying to be like others who have led um, in such a significant way in Abilene, Texas. Yeah. 
That's amazing. And so what I want to talk about next is, I mean, you alluded to it a lot, the future. What, what are you looking forward to? It can be personal. It can be like on your platform. Like, what are you looking? What is Mayor Anthony looking forward to next? Well, there's the many things happening in Abilene, Texas. There are. There yeah. are, yeah. I mean, Abilene was the ninth city in America to address our homeless veterans. Yeah. Um, Abilene was the fourth city um, in the country um, that looked at chronic homelessness and did something about it. Those are our neighbors, and that's a project that a number of us have worked years uh, to see to come to fruition. Um, and there's other projects that we can do. And so we may not be able to change things elsewhere, but we have a tremendous opportunity to elevate the quality yeah. of life in Abilene, Texas. Um, I want better jobs to be happening in Abilene, Texas, because I believe when a a man or a woman has a good paying job, that person has dignity. Yeah. And when mom or dad has dignity, the whole family has dignity. I want more Abilene's to have dignity. And so working on some things at this very moment make me very, very significant yeah. for Abilene, Texas. And so that really motivates me. I'm looking forward to working with other leaders and stakeholders to allow that to come to be. Yeah. How long do you think you'll want to be mayor of Abilene? Well, I mean, I my term expires in two and a half years, yeah. and I really uh, can't see me serving as mayor after that. I well, we say, won't hold you to that because a lot can change. You have the right to change your mind. But well, right, change your mind, but I, but I, I realize I want to do some other things, and um, there'll be some others that will, will step in and, and and serve Abilene in a mighty way. Yeah. Um, you know, life is short on this side of eternity. Yeah. It really is. And so I have some things I want to be able to do. Um, I'm not sure what what they are. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, I'm looking forward to what that brings for me and my family. Yeah. And my wife, we've married 31 years. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. How many kids do you have? We have three children. Three kids. Three children. And are they in Abilene? Um, so Anthony Jr. Um, is in um in DFW, okay. Uh, John is here in Abilene, although he's going to military in about in two weeks, and Alyssa is actually in Florida, who will have our first grandchild wow. in a mere few weeks. No way! Uh, and so I'm looking. Congratulations! Forward to, I'm, I'm looking For number forward, one grandchild number one. Number one, oh, man. So I'm looking forward to being a pawpaw. I'm looking forward to John's service in the military and Anthony's endeavors and. I really want to spend um, time with my wife enjoying, you know, future grandchildren and other adventures. Yeah, that's amazing. So is mayor just the first, are you going to run for president 2024? <laughs> are you going to run for state level, uh, national level? You know, I really had no desire uh, to be mayor, um, you know, 30 years ago when yeah. I started, when we, when we started late night basketball. And I really don't have... Um, I really don't have um, a burning desire to be like the official past Abilene. Now, having said that, people have called me, and I've, I've taken those phone calls. I've had those conversations. Yeah. And so you never say never about anything. Sure. Um, but what I will do is I am committed to spending the rest of my life helping my fellow man Come on. and whatever that leads me. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, you mentioned this, and I was curious about this because I'm interested really in politics in general, but you mentioned phone calls. Who's like the most famous 
politics? Have you talked to Trump? Have you talked to any presidents? I'm curious about that. Like, who's actually the question I had for you, and I think I wrote it down. Was like, who's the most famous phone number you have? Oh gosh, I don't. I, I haven't talked to President Trump or any president. Okay, not President Trump. Yet. Um, you know, but I, I had dinner with with, with uh, President Bush. I had dinner with him at a uh, event four or five years ago. Were you at his table? Uh, I was at. I was right beside him. What? I was. I was. This is post presidency. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. And so I. That's pretty cool. Very cool. But we had a good conversation. Um, you know, I, of course, I've talked to a number of different senators and and others. Uh, um, I don't I hate the name drop. That sounds. No, this is the platform to name drop because I'm really interested. It's really cool to me. <laughs> I mean, but I, I, I've, I've I've taken some phone calls from some. Um, political giants. Yeah. You know, do you answer the phone call? And you're like, who in the Anthony Williams <laughs> from Abilene, Texas? Who is this guy? Like, I'm taking this phone call. Have you had those moments? I, I have. I have with some strategists and, and others. And so, interesting, very interesting phone calls. And what yeah. would you see what that looks like down the road? Yeah. I mean, you've, I mean, you're a young man. I know you joked about your age, but you're young. You look I good. That. I you look that. good. <laughs> And, uh, man, I just thank you for all you've done for this community and this city. It really is impactful. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see where you take our community. You're leading the way. You've done some amazing things already. I mean, Abilene, I mean, there was a big announcement recently about uh, some possibilities of enormous job possibilities coming to the city. Yes. And um, I know in some way you're involved in that conversation, and I really am grateful for all that you're doing for this community. And thankful that you took the time to sit down. I mean, you could have been doing a million other things. Okay, I, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you just trying to highlight the number of positive things that are occurring in our community. Yeah. People should know about that. You know, we could have 85% of the things that are going extremely well, but we focus on the 15% of things no that kidding. lend themselves the opportunity. And so yeah. uh, I'm an 85 percenter. Love it. Love it. Well, I thank you so much for joining us today, and hopefully we get to do this again soon, man. You're awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time.